This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Amanda Delheimer. Happy Valentine's Day. Whether you love Valentine's Day or hate it, we can all agree that it brings back some powerful memories of getting or not getting Valentine's from our crushes in grade school or of love's past, especially first loves. Today, in celebration of Valentine's Day, we feature a very special story by Second Story's managing director. In a story about the power of our firsts and having a sense of humor as we look back on them, Second Story presents Lauren Seaback. Long before I owned any plaid, Long before I came out, long before I had a live-in girlfriend with a cat, bedsheets and conversations about what color to paint the hallway, long before any of that, I was a cool girl with an older boyfriend. <laughs> it's the summer before my freshman year of high school. I am 14 and I am dating Kenny Collins. He is 17 and has shiny blue eyes. Well, Kenny and I grew up in the same neighborhood, childhood friends, and I'm certain he, like many of the boys I grew up with, first had a crush on my older sister, Angela. Eleven years my senior, boys would often crash their bikes when she walked by. Now, I'm getting the same attention in a different way. It's subtle, innocent, and I'm learning what it means to date someone for the first time. And dating in 2000 at age 14 meant going to the movies. He'd buy tickets and I'd get us popcorn. Our fingers would interlock and we'd hold hands from the first preview until the credits were done rolling. Together, we watched Mel Gibson fight for liberty in The Patriot, Kevin Spacey figure things out in American Beauty, and three hapless 20-somethings get lost in The Blair Witch Project. The credits would finish and we'd be the last ones in the theater. He'd drive me home in his blue Mustang, and we'd sing along to Kenny Chesney or Melissa Etheridge. <laughs> or sometimes we'd hum along to a cheesy playlist we had made each other. Once, I made Kenny a perfectly crafted mix with 19 songs, a gift before his summer vacation to Hawaii with his family. He gave me a tiny bottle of his cologne, Hugo Boss. <laughs> and I gave him the mix CD. Now, I had selected Crazy For You by Madonna as the pivotal last song on the mix, but I accidentally burned Justify My Love instead. <laughs> Not the message I was intending to send but it did make for another lovely memory. We'd laugh about it and he'd tease me every time it came on. The anticipation would build the entire car ride home. He'd pull into my driveway and turn the engine off. Then there would be several moments of intense staring. Brief chatter to break the silence. I had a great time tonight, me too. And then it would happen. 
or rather wouldn't. We'd lean in, my heart beating, and I would wonder if this was the moment. And then my wondering would turn into a persistent little voice in my head asking me, are you sure you're ready for this? Are you absolutely certain you want to be doing this? And then my brain would start screaming almost in slow motion, no! And I would tighten my lips for one quick kiss. A defeated sigh followed by a see you tomorrow or I'll call you later. And then the car door behind me, his engine turning on, the car quietly backing out. Even though Kenny and I had known each other for nearly a decade, even though this was our second time having a summer fling, even though the previous summer he had made out with my neck, giving me a hickey that I convinced my father was a vengeful ghost, <laughs> Despite all of that, we had never French kissed. I could not wrap my head around putting the tongue that was in my mouth in someone else's. So we talked about it. Long, laborious conversations around the pros and cons of French kissing. He was so unbelievably patient. He had already had his first French kiss and promised that he was never going to pressure me into something I wasn't ready for. The decision to French kiss and when was all mine. At night, I would lie awake. The hum of the air conditioning kicking on in our house could not drown out the questions swimming around in my head. How would I know when it was the right time? Would it be any good? Would it be memorable? Would it be romantic? How would it compare to Joey and Pacey's first kiss on Dawson's Creek? <laughs> would Paula Cole's I don't want to wait start playing in the background? What if I'm a bad kisser? As a young girl reaching puberty during the late 90s, early 2000s, there were a lot of benchmarks to measure oneself against. Buffy was so in control with Angel. <laughs> Jen held her own with Dawson. How would I do with Kenny? During hot days, I would often find myself at my friend Mal's house, jumping in and out of her pool, laughing and comparing notes with our friends, what we had and had not done with our summer bows, which was not much. If our experiences were on a sexual punch card, well, the cards were mostly intact, with me leading the pack with two, three holes at most. When we tallied the points and compared notes, I was clearly and proudly in the lead. Here are the facts. I had already had my first hickey. My boyfriend was not only older, but he was going to be a senior in high school, and he had a tongue ring. This alone gave me major street cred. <laughs> and now it appeared that I would be the first to cross the French kiss finish line. Lou, Mal would encourage, you have to do it, then you could tell us what it's like. You're right. I'll do it. And just like that, it was settled. I would be the first among the group to take the plunge. I'd leave for home feeling certain and resolute, but eventually the voices in my head would start up again as they always had before. Are you sure you're ready for this? Are you absolutely certain you want to be doing this? The fear around whether or not I would be a good kisser was crippling. It was all-consuming. So I did what any 14-year-old contemplating French kissing would do. I went to my mother. 
Now, this might seem like an odd choice, but you don't know my mom. I can talk to her about anything, and she is always so unfazed and full of logic. Years later, when people would ask her how she could be okay with having a lesbian daughter, she'd coolly respond, well, I love all of my children, and I don't want to think of any of them having sex, regardless of their sexual orientation. <laughs> Both of my parents are really cool. They ooze with confidence, they're incredibly genuine, and after 36 years of marriage, they still tear up a dance floor unlike any couple I have ever seen. I go to my mom and sit on my parents' bed on an early afternoon in July. I break the situation down and fully share with her my predicament, the big to do or not to do question hanging over me. Mom, I don't know if I should French kiss Kenny. Well, why not? How will I know if it's the right time? You'll just know, but how? <laughs> Let me tell you a story. And so it went, something like this. November 30th, 1979, the hideout in Griffith, Indiana. Everyone has gathered to see the Sugar Ray Leonard and Wilfred Benitez fight. My father, 23, Scorpio, single x-ray technician at St. Catherine's Memorial Hospital in East Chicago, Indiana. My mother, 25, also Scorpio, divorced mother of one, works at the credit union at St. Catherine's Memorial Hospital in East Chicago, Indiana. Both are on dates with other people when they show up at the hideout. Now, although they worked at the same hospital, they had never met. My dad knew of my mom. She was widely known throughout the hospital as being quite the looker. And she was. Looking back at pictures, it was very clear that my mom was a knockout. And my dad was certain that she was out of his league. Now, they show up with dates in tow, and they sit at the same table with other people from St. Catharines and are on opposite sides a few chairs down from one another, flanked by their dates. How can my father possibly make a move? Well, it's easy. With a very subtle, very simple wink. And my mom winks back. And my dad panics. Did she really wink back? So he sends her one more wink, the confirmation wink, back her way. And they go from sitting with their dates to, as my mom puts it, necking in the back of the bar. Whoa, I say to her. But mom, how will I know if I'm a good kisser? And she looks at me and bluntly states, Lauren, there is no such thing as a CVAC being a bad kisser. <laughs> and that was all I needed. I decided at that moment that I, Lauren Irene CVAC, would French kiss Kenny Collins on our next date, which was to see American Pie 2 on its opening weekend. the long-awaited sequel, but I couldn't get in because I was underage. And although 17, Kenny was not my legal guardian. <laughs> so we went to the park instead. Sunset, warm, a quiet, secluded bench. Trees parting so we could see the descending sun facing each other. Noses touch, and he says, your move. And I realize that this 
is my Dawson's Creek moment. This is the romance I was desperately hoping would accompany my first kiss. But to make this perfect, television teen romance perfect, I know I need to say something witty in return. So I reply, checkmate. Because that seemed like the appropriate thing to say. It made me sound smart and in control. And we kissed. And it was terrible. And it never happened again. This story was recorded live at Pub 626 in Rogers Park in Chicago. It was curated by Jessica Young, directed by Dorothy Milne, with sound design by Matthew Chapman. Second Story is supported by the MacArthur Fund for Art and Culture at the Richard H. Driehouse Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a City Arts grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts and Business Council of Chicago, the Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Arts Work Fund, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Amanda Delheimer, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.